start with a little story. Um, I have had all my life, really, um, uh, both pretty severe post-traumatic stress disorder and severe depression. Just coming from events that happened when I was an infant and a child. And um, it's been kind of a journey. I'm 70 years old, and you know, hey, that's a long haul. <laughs> um, and I had a, a pretty bad bout of depression a few years ago. And I woke up one morning, I was alone in the house, and I was almost catatonic. I could move my hands a little, but I really couldn't move anything else. Basically, the mind and the body had dissociated, had been separated by the pain. And it was, um, it was really painful. It was anguish. And I lay there and I thought, okay, what do I do now? You know, I've, I have a, a disease that has proved incurable and untreatable. I've tried everything, many, many, many modalities. And so what's left? And I thought, oh, maybe I could walk my talk. <laughs> maybe I could do what I've been advising others to do for decades and accept. Accept what is happening. And so I just lay there in bed just with a mantra, I accept this. I accept this completely. I accept it unconditionally. I accept, I accept. And after about 20 minutes, I was able to get out of bed, put my clothes on, and make breakfast. And then I realized, wow, I've got quite a project here. And, and uh, um, because I, it's the essence of the practice. Uh, and so I decided um, to uh, pursue this project. Just, just to say that You know, the Tibetans have this wonderful um, saying to um, cut through to the essence. And for a long time, I have really tried to distill the teachings into as, as succinct a form as possible. And I've got it down now to eight words. <laughs> now, I'm gonna, those, these eight words are really easy to say and really easy to hear, but it's taken me a long time to get to this place. Um, so, with that <laughs> preamble, um, the eight words are, resistance is suffering. The end of resistance is the end of suffering. That sums up the entire teaching. And in a sense, it's all you need to know. All you have to do is take that principle and apply it in your life. And you'll find, I think, that it's true. So this, uh, this project of acceptance, you know, I realized, okay, you can't do the really big ones. Herb, is it Herb? Uh, Rose, uh, you know, uh, brought up the question, you know, this is big. You know, how long will it take? Um, uh, you know, it's hard to do the big ones, so you start with something small. It's like building muscles. And so, uh, so I, you know, I would be cut off in traffic, 
could feel the fear and the anger and say, hey, you know, it happened. I can't change it. Can I accept? I accept, yeah. Or, you know, this tomato, it doesn't taste like a tomato. It doesn't even look like a tomato. I'd rather have a tomato. Can I accept that, the t that this object is what I have to eat? It's that simple. You know, it's really that simple. And then you kind of build your muscles and you get better and better. So the idea is not that um, when we, well, let, me, let me just say that when I started this project, I realized even if I fail at this, it will have been a really good thing to do because it is the hardest thing that a human being can do. It is really hard, so we have to have patience and kindness to ourselves as we do it. And I remembered, not long after my catatonic experience, I remembered that nearly 50 years ago, I uh, wrote an undergraduate honors thesis in college. And I qu uh, there was a quotation in there that I found then really important. And so I happened to have that that thesis, and I went back, and uh, here it is. And this has been a real inspiration for me with just this project. It comes from Albert Camus, from his novel, The Rebel. One must accept the unacceptable and hold to the untenable. Thus, from absolute despair will spring infinite joy, from blind servitude unbounded freedom. To be free is precisely to abolish ends or to let go of um, needing the world to be the way we want it. He goes on, this magnificent con consent born of abundance and fullness of spirit, is the unreserved acceptance of human imperfection and suffering, of all that is problematic and strange in our existence. It is born of an arrested wish to be what is in a world that is what it is. to consider oneself a fatality, not to wish to be other than one is. It just, uh, this has been a real inspiration. So what we mean by that, you know, it's, it's, not, a, it's not about accepting everything and becoming a doormat, actually. Um, it's, uh, we, we, on some level, you know, we're not going to consent to injustice, oppression, inequality, both social and political and economic. Um, it isn't that we affirm these things. We simply acknowledge that they exist. There are two ways that we um, can um, fail to to see and to accept just the existence of something. One is 
uh, one extreme is denial of not allowing ourselves to know. And denial is really strong in all of our hearts, and sometimes denial has, a, has an important function. If, if our hearts and minds were to be entirely overwhelmed with some reality, it's good to turn away. But denial um, functions, it, it gets in the way. You know, let me just mention um, global climate change and how long it's taken us and how long it will take us. Um, that's just an example. And I, I used to work in the field of trying to prevent the sexual abuse of children because I was abused myself. And what, what we know is that it's the denial of the adults around a child that perpetuate the abuse. Not being, a, not being able to see, not allowing ourselves to see. So the other week, I mean, um, the other, yeah, last week, in, we were in Garberville, my little family and I, and uh, <laughs> we found a bumper sticker. Let me read it to you. This is wisdom. Sure, it's denial, but it's also my safe, happy place. <laughs> and, and, the, and, the, and, the, uh, and the business that, that created this bumper sticker is called Duck and Cover. <laughs> so denial, just not wanting to know. And, and as Arena said during the question and answer period so clearly, is it's learning to have the courage to turn toward something in order to deal with it. The other extreme that keeps us um, unable to respond skillfully to our experience is um, anger and fear. You know, essentially resistance is wanting, uh, wanting uh, what we want and not wanting, wanting what we don't want, what we don't like. And so it's, we resist what is unpleasant, we try to get what is pleasant, we cling to what is, un, uh, what is pleasant. And so we've all had the experience of, um, of feeling anger and sometimes fear and anxiety in response to things in our lives. Something that's happening to us, you know, the cancer, or something that's happening to a loved one, or something that's happening to our planet. Um, I never thought I would have, you know, I would witness the longest war in American history. Um, I never, you know, would, you know, it would be nice to have a functioning government, for example. And so what happens is that, and we all know this, that we can respond with anger. I don't want that. And what happens with fear and with anger is they actually cloud our vision. They keep us from seeing things clearly. And they rigidify us 
in terms of our response. We can respond in in more sort of automatic and habitual way. If we work with seeing clearly what exists, accepting the fact that it exists, and then deciding whether we can do something. You know know the 12-step programs, that wonderful equanimity prayer. I won't get it exact, but really, you know, having the courage to change what we can, accepting what we can't change, and having the wisdom to know the difference. That sums it all up. So if you can't change something, to acknowledge that. If you can change something, then it's good to get going with it. But you're not going to get very far just running on anger and fear. So we all have preferences, of course. We all have aspirations. Have you seen these cups? Aspire. We all have aspirations. We all have to make decisions. Uh, And, you know, really, a, a democracy can't function without these things. But it's not so much about having preferences or having aspirations or needing to make a decision. It's about having expectations. It has to go this way. Does this this make sense? You know, just, and so the ability to look at our, at what's happening and to figure out what is the skillful way for me to respond to this. So, you know, quite a long time ago, I realized that I was really pissed with Senator Jesse Helms. You may not remember him, but he's the guy who prevented uh, funding for, uh, 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 to try, trying to prevent AIDS. Um, he was responsible for who knows how many deaths. He also resisted funding for the UN. Um, I really didn't like Jesse Helms. So I decided to take him as my love object. And I sent him loving kindness, a lot of loving kindness. And he became, you know, I, I didn't approve of what he was doing, but I cared about him as a human being. I acknowledged his existence as a human being. Does that make sense? So that I came, I was able to come out of the anger and the anxiety and the fear and simply acknowledge his existence. And that would make me more flexible, more resilient, um, more adaptive in terms of responding to him or in any other situation. So that quality, you accept the existence of something. None of us would like to have Hitler exist or live or, you know, it was horrendous. But in order to respond to a Hitler, you have to come out of the denial and to acknowledge that something is happening here and then find a way to respond. So I just I'd like to end with a little story, something that happened recently. 
Um, our little family of three, uh, we were here to, uh, I officiated uh, the wedding of uh, a former partner of mine and his partner. Um, it was just wonderful. And uh, that was last weekend. And then our little family took some time for a short vacation together. And we went up to the lost coast of Northern California. It's a wonderful place with no roads. And um, we went into a quite a remote place and camped. And it was just beautiful. It was right on the beach and wonderful. Uh, and one day when we were there, I was hiking alone up on a ridge, um, you know, basically above a, 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 on a, where a cliff was going down to the ocean. And at some point, I made the decision, uh, instead of going back on the trail, because I don't like to go back the same way I go. And so I decided, OK, I'm going to try to follow this drainage down. And it was, uh, so I bushwhacked. And it was really steep, you know, and, and, uh, and so I was making my way carefully down this really steep bank. Um, and, uh, and at one point, the duff or the soil gave way under one of my feet, and I went over. And again, it's very steep. And at some point, um, I, the back of my head slammed into a tree. And... <laughs> And um, so there was this moment where I said, okay, you know, I'll see. I didn't lose consciousness. Um, doesn't seem as if anything's broken. Nothing is severely strained. I didn't, the neck didn't break. I, you know, I got a, got a, there was some abrasion and some bleeding, but it was basically workable. Um, so I, you know, I was able to get up and continue my way down, and it was kind of late in the afternoon, and I managed to get back to, to our camp before dark. But when I was there, you know, I realized that, you know, if the neck had been broken, or if a limb had been broken, or um, they, it was a really remote place, and I was way off the trail, and they wouldn't find me. You know, it might take weeks for them to find me. And, I, and I, it, there, was, there wasn't even a ripple in the mind. It was just like, oh, well, that's a pretty good place to die. And so, so there, do, do you see, there wasn't resistance to the experience. And so it turned out fine. You know, it just, uh, <laughs> and I got back to camp. And my two family members um, chided me a little gently um, for doing that. And um, they know that um, we call them Eric adventures. And, and I, I just love, you know, doing that kind of stuff in the, in the wilderness. And I guess at 70, I should maybe, you know, pull back a little. My point about this is we can be in really difficult situations where our life is endangered and we don't have to get caught in reactivity. We can simply accept 
the, the situation as it is, and then we can figure out how do I respond to this. Do you see there's kind of clarity and calm in that non-resisting? So again, this is the very hardest thing a human being can do. I've been training myself for a very long time. And, you know, obviously I kind of forgot with that catatonic depression and got back on track. So to be really patient with ourselves, really accepting of ourselves as we do this and realizing, you know, I, I'll stay with this as long as is necessary. It's a training. You know, we don't start by, you know, playing a piano sonata. We start by learning the notes and the scales. And it's the same way with this magnificent consent. It's not just a, uh, it's not just a sticky sentimental concept. It is powerful. So, thank you. Is that okay? Time, sure, time. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.